America is live and underway here on ESPN+. Plus. Greg Berhalter won't be evaluating his own performance, but we will be evaluating his performance here on the show. Hercules Gomez, how are you doing and what are you wearing since you're looking at my beautiful, beautiful thread so quizzically? You got to tell me what you're wearing first. So this is a uh, original, okay, original Jorge Campos uniform from... But like a kid's size one. No, no, no. This is this is how he wore it, okay, bro? This is I how know, he wore but it's it. not like the size he wore. I mean, he wasn't that much bigger than me, dog. That's what made him a great goalie. Uh, right, just don't dog me, bro. So this is uh, Acapulco Sport. Acasport was like the company that he actually like first had a made by back in the 90s. Uh, when I was a kid, I would play a little bit goalie. But I was like, hey, if I'm going to play goalie, mom, you got to send back to grandma to send me some stuff. And so I would wear these. And, uh, so you physically I've, never changed? No. That's <laughs> what you're telling me. Yes, this is the exact same size of shirt that, uh, that I've been wearing the whole time. So uh, greetings from Doha. We are on day two of the round of 16, the knockout rounds uh, here at the World Cup. we got a lot to cover. We're going to be recapping England-Senegal, which, of course, uh, just wrapped up. France and Poland as well, a game that Mexico might have thought they were going to be in, uh, and a game that I actually got a ticket to and got to see uh, live and in person. You're welcome. Yes, thank you for your, your efforts to that end. Uh, we will also be talking about some potential big changes at the top of the Mexican Footballing Federation. Potential, I say. Also, what feels very much like a parting shot from Tata Martino, if not to all of the Mexican press, to our colleagues here at ESPN at the, uh, at the very least. And we will, of course, have plenty more fallout on the U.S. Uh, and Netherlands as the Americans go out in the round of 16. In fact, that is where we will begin this show. Sam Borden got the chance, as you just saw, to speak one-on-one -on -one with the manager, Greg Berhalter. Let's have a listen. Greg, how would you describe what the difference was in the game tonight? Um, clinical finishing. I think we played a, um, a good game. We, we put a tremendous amount of effort into the game. Um, at the end of the day, we walked into halftime 2 nothing down. It was like, what, what just happened? Um, because we, we played a really good half, and the guys um, gave everything. So, you know, that's soccer sometimes. But, um, you know, the team really came together this tournament and um, I think showed the U.S. and the rest of the world that um, it's a team they can be proud of. Looked like you had a nice moment with a couple of players on the field afterwards. I saw you with your arm around Christian. What did you say to him? What was the message? You know, it's sad. It really is. Um, you know, it, it's an end of a, a group being together. Um, you know, we talked last night about, you know, this team will never be together again, right? This exact group of individuals will never be together again. And they really um, formed a tight bond. So it was, a, it was a sad ending. You never want to lose like that. Um, and it was just really taking, taking a moment to recognize them and thank them for, for all their efforts. We talked uh, last week about how it's tough. International soccer managers are judged on a really small number of games. When you look at this World Cup, how do you evaluate your own performance? You know, I, I don't think it's time for me to evaluate my own performance. What I would say is that, um, you know, a measuring stick is, you know, can Americans watch what they saw and be proud of it? Can they be proud of the team? And, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the answers come back yes in that regard. So, you know, I'm proud of this group. I'm proud of how they stuck together and um, what they showed the outside world. You were a fan of U.S. soccer long before you were a player and a manager, and you know how these fans support this team. What do you think the message for them ought to be now coming out of this tournament and going towards a home World Cup? I think there's hope. 
Um, when you see how we how we played the, the whole tournament, when we're playing against these giants of world soccer, uh, if you didn't, if the jerseys were were blank and you didn't know who the players were, it'd be hard to really tell who the giant was in, in a lot of cases. So the guys did a good, great job, and I think that gives Americans hope that that we can one day win the World Cup. Awesome. Thanks very much. We can one day win the World Cup. The words of Greg Berhalter. Herc, your thoughts. How long into the future are we talking? One day is, he leaves himself a lot of cushion, no, by saying one day. If based off what we saw in group play mm -hmm. and in the fourth game, no. Well, it's saying something without saying anything, really, because when no, no, you leave no, it no, 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 for no. eternity, no. Because you don't think the U.S. can ever win a World Cup? He's hanging his hat on a performance to give hope to people of one day winning a World Cup. He's talking about all four games, not just the game well, against I, ho Netherlands. I hope he's only talking about the game against England if you want to hang hope for people to win the World Cup. Mm -hmm. Honestly, because if he wants to put in a whole performance of what was a group phase plus that fourth game, I don't think anybody in their rational mind would think they're capable of winning a World Cup. How many teams have won a World Cup? How many nations have won a World Cup? Eight. Eight. Yeah. It's not that easy to win. There's a reason teams like the Netherlands have never won a World Cup, and that's a footballing powerhouse. Do you see the United States as different than the Netherlands or Mexico who have a long history of, I mean, obviously different histories, Netherlands coming very close, Mexico kind of gradual progression into contender, and what we've seen from the U.S. since 1990, well, which is... Mexico is not a gradual progression. It's just a straight mid-table line. Well, but I think if you go back to like... And the, it's probably going down. Okay. Different conversation what's going to happen in the future. I'm talking about if you go from like the 1930s through the 70s, it's kind of bad, bad, bad. And then eventually Mexico in the 90s gets to a place where they are considered... You should be out of the group phase every tournament. That's what we look at Mexico now. I think that's gradual improvement. When we consider the United States missed 40 years of World Cups between 1950 uh, until they qualified again in 1990. And then we see the progression. And we, we live it every day, right? We we've, we've seen how the, the, okay. s the sport has grown in this country. It's a, much, it's a much more exponential growth than I think other countries can claim. And I think that's why when you look at it from a U.S. perspective, if you are growing gradually like everybody else, no chance. But growth of this sport in the United States is not gradual. It is exponential. So I think that's why... It is? Yeah, Herc. Like, it look is? At, look at what MLS was when you were playing in it We're not talking about Major League now. Soccer. No, but Major League Soccer. We're not talking about Major, Major League, League Soccer. Okay, let's talk about USL. Like, all the we're leagues. We're not talking about USL. You're those, talking about the those, World Cup. But those are the leagues that create opportunities for players. They're growing. No, they're existing. No, 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 no. The league that's, the leagues no, that are going to create. No, me. no, 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 no. The what happens in England? There's four levels of professional play where guys can play and grow. And half of those guys, they play fourth division, third division. They end up in can the World Cup team. Can you tell me when's the last time England won a World Cup? They've been to the semifinals last time around. Listen, shut your eye for a second and listen, okay? The leagues, USL, Major League Soccer, are not going to take you to a World Cup. You know what's <laughs> going to take you to a World Cup? What? The leagues in Europe. When your players are consistently playing in those leagues. And how do they get there? Oh, you think... As 16-year-olds are all just going to go over there and become Christian Pulisic? So you... I'm Where not going to have Pulisic this discussion. I'm not going to have this discussion with you because it's dumb. If you're trying to tell me you'd rather have a player playing in Major League Soccer or USL than in Europe, I, I, I don't even know what okay, we're doing Okay, let's here. go to your European example then. How many more kids are in Europe now compared to when you were coming up? Okay. And a so, lot and more. So what, and how many, and how many more need to be there for you to have a realistic chance? So you think this is the plateau, that there's not going to be more growth of American Seb. opportunities in Europe? Seb. 
you're putting words in my mouth. You're not giving me an opportunity to talk. And I don't even know where you want to go with this. I'm let me saying tell that you, there is significant let me growth. Tell you're you, saying there's not. Let me tell you, okay? Let me answer the question. Can they win a World Cup? If based off what we saw in the group performance and the fourth game, no. That's a reality. Only eight teams have won the World Cup. Countries with footballing cultures, proper footballing cultures. Mm -hmm. The growth, yes, it excites everybody. Hey, coming back to the World Cup, yes, it excites everybody. But you're on the wrong network if you want to do is break out the pom-poms and cheerlead and, cheerlead and say, hey, 2026, you've got a realistic chance. Yeah, he didn't say 2026. I'm telling you that. He didn't say I'm telling you that. that. He said I'm telling you that. the U.S. can eventually win a World Cup. You don't believe that. What, what makes you believe you can win a World Cup off of World Cup performances? Why would France have believed that they could have won the World Cup in 1995 when they'd never done it before? You're right. All we need is a Zinedine Zidane. Javi Trezeguet, a Thierry Henry, a Frank LeBouf, you know, all those type of players. You don't and, think a country as well on the United way. States with the infrastructure, with all the money that's going into the sport can grow. Plus, let's be honest about American soccer, and you live this very, you live this, you are maybe a great example of this. Don't, no, no, we, no, no, no. Okay. Don't, I know, I know exactly what you're going to do. It, it, listen, well, what, what am I going to say, though? Then tell me what, what I'm going to say. You're gonna do, what you're doing, Seb, is you're trying to... Tell me, if you hit a 10 on every single thing, you have a chance of winning the World Cup. If you get the right people in the Federation and you do the right things, and with a country of these resources, you should be able to build a World Cup contender. This is exactly what you're trying to say. Okay? I'm saying there's a huge part of United States that hasn't even been tapped into yet. Youth soccer is really for rich kids. What, what happens when the underprivileged kids start playing, when they start getting the opportunities? Same things are said in Africa about Africa and the potential. No, 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 Same no, things no. are in said every in other, other part of the world. Every it part is of the world. kids' sport. It's not in the United States. Seb. And look at that. We're already competing with suburb kids. Seb, if you think the U.S. is well on their way to winning a World Cup... I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility in the next 40 years, in our lifetime. Based off of what? What have you seen from the World Cup performances that make you think? Because that's exactly what you should base things off. Okay? Just World Cup performance. Yes. Because if you're trying to tell somebody that's who does it. four games every four years. Why do you think only eight teams, eight nations, have won it? But it's that difficult so no to other, achieve. So no new nations will ever win it again. That's not what I'm telling you, Seb. But you can't sit here with a realistic just... You can't sit here and look at the camera and tell people you think they're going to win a World Cup and say, well, it's because USL is doing well. It's because Major League Soccer. Look at the growth, people. It's because, look, look, look at the exponential growth that we've got all these kids who don't even play. Wait till we get them. Wait till we reach out. You can't just sell that, peddle that, and expect people to believe that you're going to be a World Cup contender someday. There's exponential growth and room for more growth, which I don't think like countries like Mexico don't have that room for growth. Do you think, you think England has more on all fronts? In that, on those categories? In terms what? Exponential growth as far as what they can no, do. No, they're where they are. Hold on. Oh, they're where they in are. Terms, in terms of... And the, they have four you, you just used England as an example. Yes. Okay? yes. They've got exactly everything the U.S. would ever want, right? Right. So when the U.S. has... Right? Yes. So when the U.S. And has, how hard has it been for them? Yes, but they're much more competitive. They were within two games last time around. Seb, they made the final Seb, of the European Championship. how many years has it been? 1966. You're picking okay. one example. No, you picked it. France, I didn't pick France it. Has you four, picked France it. has four divisions. You picked Talk it. Talk about France. Mexico has four divisions. No, it doesn't. 
We just talked about how they don't have ProRel anymore. The second division is dying. You don't we had think that Mexico conversation. has a third division? Not a viable one. No. Oh. Not one where guys can live off of. You think the U.S. does? I think England does. You think the U.S. does? I think the U.S. can, Herc. You're picking... We, USL League One was, was... What's the question? Not viable What's the question? What's the question? Ago. Based off if I have a good feeling... Because that's what you're going on. But you're, say, you're saying you th you're telling me that I'm peddling hope. You're peddling no hope. No, I'm no, I'm trying to tell you. Show me why. Why? What have they done in a World Cup? Because England, they do things in major tournaments that make you feel they're getting closer. That right. is the difference. Right. That is the difference. So they probably think they can win it now. Greg Berhalter says they can win it eventually. There's a huge difference there, Herc. How do you answer that, Seb? Honestly, you really eventually. don't believe. You don't believe that the U.S. will even come close to winning a World Cup in your lifetime. They've not shown me anything. Have they shown you anything? Federation level? If I'm looking from... Have they shown yes, you anything? Yes, if I'm looking from 1990 to 2022, yes, there's been an incredible... Like the, the, the so much so went, that they didn't make the last World Cup, the, Seb. I mean, things happen. But in <laughs> 1990, they said... Oh, no, Seb, don't say things happen. Sab, don't say things happen. All right. You have no hope for American soccer. I guess we should shut the show down then. If, if they can never win a World Cup, what are we doing here? Jeez. What are we doing here? Unbelievable. Wow. Someone's in a bad mood from You're Doha. in a bad He's mood. Oh, yeah, I don't sleep enough. <laughs> More from last have night. Have hope, people. You know who doesn't have hope is this guy, uh, Louis Van Gaal. This is on the uh, U.S. men's national team. His uh, discussion of what happened in the game last night. Quote, the U.S. didn't adapt. They didn't adjust. We made our tactical plan based on, quote, targeting the flanks. This feels, hurt like shots fired. You would know. Specifically <laughs> uh, at the U.S. coaching staff. Uh, is that how you're seeing it? And are they warranted? Making me talk down on U.S. soccer. No, you hate American soccer. Wearing this glorious shirt right here. Um... These are shots fired, mm -hmm. if I've ever seen shots fired. There's a saying, and my good friend Mauricio Pedrosa always, say, always says it, eh, entre bomberos no se pisan la manguera. Mm -hmm. Between firefighters, you don't step on each other's yes, hose. Yes. Exactly, right? Uh, so, water hose, yes. Uh, so it, it's not common. It's not common. Cramp, cramp. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're cramping on air. You, keep going. Are you cramping on air? I, I played earlier today, and I'm cramping. I'm sorry. I did not mean to interrupt you. I was trying to eat that one quietly. Um, you were saying about Louis van Gaal and, and basically not breaking the code among managers? Producer, producer uh, Rafa, I need you on this one. You know exactly what I need from you on this one. Yes. Okay, so the saying goes, <laughs> amongst firefighters, you don't step on each other's homes. Yeah. Right? So it's not very common you hear a coach say this. Yeah. This is a direct shot. I am convinced Louis van Gaal was fed up with hearing everything about the U.S. men's national team and how well they were doing and was fed up about hearing about how this generation of Dutch players wasn't like the generation of the past. The Van Basten, the Cruyff, you know, the, even back in the goal of Van der Sar, uh, the, the Bergkamps, Van Persies. He was fed up with it. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm pretty sure he wanted to teach this team a lesson more than anything Greg Berhalter. And there's no need. You just won the game. There's no need to lash out like this or this nine type of comment, unless you want to make a point. And the point is, I outcoached you. This is what he's saying. Mm. He's literally saying, I outcoached you. You got a long way to go. They didn't adjust? Who's he talking to? Tyler Adams? No. <laughs> he's talking to the manager. You didn't adjust. We knew exactly where we wanted to hurt you through the flanks. Guess why? Because you think your team 
is good attacking through the flanks with their fullback. You think Anthony Robinson is good in the final third. You think Sergio Des is good enough to track back and stay with his runners. And guess what? You are not. And we are going to take advantage of you. And that he did. It's definitely true, right? We watched that game. The first, okay? the first 10 minutes go great. Yeah, yeah. Let's just hope it doesn't flare up again. <laughs> the first 10 minutes go great. Netherlands score the goal. You always talk about it. Goals change games. They do. But beyond they do. that, beyond that, the game itself, the flow of the game felt out of control for the U.S. team. And not only wasn't there a change, but it seemed very specifically like the message from the sidelines was like, keep doing what you're doing. Right. And that's where I think like the plan is good. Yeah. It will work. We got one chance. You guys saw that? Keep doing what you're doing. I agree with that. Yeah. Here is the issue. And I, we just saw Sam Borden's interview with Greg Berhalter. You know, great work by Sam. He's been doing it all World mm -hmm. Cup. <sighs> Greg thought they played a good first 45. That is mind-blowing to me. You had a good nine minutes where, and I'm going to choose my words carefully, where the Netherlands give you the ball and almost rub-a-dope you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they want you, they want to be lulled, they want you to be lulled into this false sense of security. Now, now they almost got knocked out in on. that rope-a-dope. And I think in that rope-a-dope, the chance that Christian has is circumstantial. I mean, it's a loose ball. Yeah. There's somebody like, I think it was Musa or Weston, literally like kind of hits really quick because they, they, and it comes over the top. Yeah. And he finds himself in an onside position. Christian doesn't, it's a bad mistake by the Dutch defense not getting out, not correct, clearing the correct. lines. And yeah. it was blind. Yeah. And we, always, and we said he would be a problem for them. And he, I think he thinks he's offsides. Right. So he just initially just kind of stabs yeah. at it. And again, great save. We, we give the great goal credit. Great save. Yeah. No, great save. But he, he had more time than he realized. It gets saved. And then there's your chance. Look, we dominated these nine minutes and we had a chance on goal. But everybody thinks the goal, the first goal, mm -hmm. it's that Netherlands counterattack. What counterattack? Do you know how many touches they took yeah. to the final touch with Memphis? It's to slow. score? Boom, boom. It went back to the goalkeeper, yeah. and then it was 20 touches and into the net. 20 touches. There is no counterattack. And then the second goal, you cannot be this naive, comes off a throw-in. Mm -hmm. They literally throw the ball in in the final third. Christian Pulisic loses his mark because his mark is the guy who th throws the ball in. Yep. There's a quick little interchange right there. Tyler Adams comes out, has to pressure. Tyler Adams, and you could almost see him hands behind his back. He doesn't want to get he doesn't want to get a, a handball called on him if, if there's a cross coming through. Stutter step stops. Enough space, creation of space where he could send that ball hard and low. Exact same carbon a copy as the first goal with Memphis, and it's Blind who catches Sergio Dest sleeping. I mean, it's so naive. What could make you think you played a good 45? So to get back to the Van Gaal quote, it was translated from Dutch into English. Like what we're reading is the, is the translation. Okay. Can I read you kind of the – there's another part of the quote that comes in right before it, which oh, I'm, I think might – Context. Go ahead. Context. I would assume the stronger the country is, the less they'll adjust to the system. The U.S. didn't adapt. They didn't adjust. We made our tactical plan based on targeting the flanks. That makes it sound almost like less a shot at the manager and more a shot at the nation as a whole. Does that change anything for you? That's still a shot at the manager. Okay. That's saying you thought you were good. Teams that don't adjust are the teams like Brazil, the teams like <laughs> right. France, the teams like England, right? Like other teams adjust to you. Is what he's saying. Right. He, he's saying, he's saying the U.S. wasn't in a place not to adjust. You're not good enough yet to that's do your exact, own thing. That's exactly what he's saying. Right. 
Um, all right, so Louis van Gaal had some interesting quotes after last night's match. So did Greg Berhalter. Now, we took a look at this on last night's show, but we want to dive back into it again here. Berhalter, quote, we don't have a Memphis Depay right now who's scoring in the Champions League. Again, you saw this last night on Football Americas. He went on to say the Netherlands were clinical in their scoring opportunities in the first half. Other than that, there wasn't much separating the teams. All right, Hercules Gomez. Get lost or speak in the truth? Where are you coming down on this one? Get lost. Um, guess who also doesn't have a Memphis Depay scoring in the Champions League? Um, in the last two years? The Netherlands. Exactly. <laughs> the Netherlands also don't have that player you're yes. talking about. And you know what separated these two teams? Mm-hmm. Matt Turner. Matt Turner separated these two teams. If not for Matt Turner, you're talking about a 5-1 scoreline. You're not wrong. He made some big saves. Big, yeah. saves. big saves. That, that is the saves, difference yeah. here. And, and look. These guys look like they scored some goals in the Champions League. These very young players. I don't know. I, I get what he's trying to say. There's a difference in talent level. I understand that, yeah. and I think it is evident what he is trying to say. Oh. That is not lost upon me. Right. But there's also an evident talent level when it comes to coaching. Well, yes, and we've talked about that. He is speaking to some element, the truth here, right? A little. But the, uh, for me, it's a big time get lost because of the timing of this quote. You don't come after a game where you lose and say, well, I, did, I don't have the pieces here. You, you, you might say that in confidence. You might go back to the federation and say it. But this, to me, is throwing your players under the bus. And I don't like that from a national team manager. I don't like it after a game. I think that's where this, for me, becomes a get lost. You can't deny that the Dutch have better player for player. That what we talked about yesterday, they have a better team, a better squad. But to come out after the game and say it, that, to me, that's just weak. Yeah, it's Bush League. Do you, do you remember how he answered Sam Borden's question? Which one? Sorry. Yeah. Uh, how would, you eva- how would you evaluate your World Cup performance as a coach? Yeah. It's, it's not time to that for, for me to evaluate. Well, so th- That's how you answer that when they ask you about right. your players if you have that. Okay? You don't throw them under the bus as you just rightfully said. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about Champions League players on the U.S. squad who have scored. McKinney, Adams, remember the huge one in the quarterfinals right. for Leipzig to get Sent them through to the, the semis. semis. Uh, Dest scored a goal in the Champions League. And by the way, if Champions League goals were so important to Greg Berhalter, I know you guys saw at the top of that don't list. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't even say it. Jordan Peefock had more than anybody else. Why isn't he here? Right? Ooh. If Champions League goals matter, if that's how you're going to evaluate how good a player is, which clearly that's what he's saying when he's talking about Memphis Dupai, who, by the way, hasn't scored since the 2019-2020 Champions League campaign, then Jordan Peefock should have been here. And I think what we saw last night, Jordan Peefock should have been here. With a 26-player roster, you could have taken four forwards. You Nobody's know. ever mentioned that, by the way. What? You sh- the, why didn't anybody take four forwards? I've never heard or seen anybody mention that at all. We talked about it with Mexico, too, right? We talk about it all the time. Yeah. Just these people love taking our credits. They love taking our, our takes. Um, <laughs> Who are you talking about, bro? People. Oh, people don't like do it. that. Don't do that. Oh, the, what network do you what? work for? Say the network, then. Uh, A ver, no te atreves, eh? Ah, no. Falso. Falso. Tough uh, guy. Fake tough guy here on Football <laughs> Americas. Let me, let me tell you something real quickly. He says uh, while wearing a, a medium that fits him <laughs> like this. Medium. <laughs> let me tell you something really quickly about the four forwards. Um, it's very interesting to me mm-hmm. when you look the little rotation Greg Berhalter used this World Cup. FIFA came out with some statistics yeah. of, of like the teams and the distances they covered, right? You know who covered the most distance in the group phase? Tyler Adams. No, no, the teams. Oh, U.S.? The U.S. Yeah, that's the most running, the, the most US. physical exertion, right? Yes, and literally did not rotate. So why wouldn't you bring a fourth 
right. attacker, a fourth nine. I mean, if you weren't so convinced with Jesus, Jesus Ferreira, because you clearly weren't, you pulled him at half, it would have been great to have a player like Jordan Pifak. When you need a goal, guess what this guy does? Guess what he specializes in? Goals. Goals. In the Champions League. In the Champions League. Uh, and to your point, Greg Berhalter told us before the tournament, subs were going to be a big part of his plan. In case you missed it, and I don't think many of you did, because you've been tagging us on it. Uh, did you see Memphis Depay dunking on one Charles Barkley? Oh, that's of course, you saw uh, Charles Barkley was very fired up before the game against the Netherlands, thinking we were going to what? Whoop there. Uh, Memphis Depay says, a lot of bark, no bite for Sir Charles. Okay. Yes. Listen, you talk it, you got to back it up. And not, listen, you know. I mean, Charles Barkley's not... Not on that field. <laughs> right, right. But Charles Barkley, you know, that's part of who Charles is. Yeah. He's opinionated. He's outgoing. Yeah. He knows very little about football, but it's great when he talks about it. Totally. So it is what it is. Memphis, I, I will just say, relax, my guy. You yeah. still got Argentina coming up, and after that, uh, a big test with Brazil. Maybe Charles will be part of uh, Turner's coverage of uh, U.S. soccer. Ricardo Pepe here paying off a bet with his uh, Groningen teammates. I guess he had to... Uh, he had to rock the orange after USA goes out in the round of 16. At least he's in good spirits about it, huh? Yeah, that's weird. I don't remember our locker room having a bowl. <laughs> is this, you think this is the Groningen locker room? I don't, I, I mean, <laughs> I assume it is, right? Uh, no? Nah, that does not look like a locker room to me. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, today's action, let's get to it. England-Senegal round of 16 at Albait Stadium. And England, Herc, in this one, rolling by a final score of 3-0. The first goal came for the three Lions in the 38th minute, courtesy Jordan Henderson off a beautiful assist from Jude Bellingham. Harry Kane made it 2-0 in the 45th minute. And then Bukayo Saka in the 57th finished off the scoring for England, who are through to the quarterfinals looking to repeat their pretty successful run at the last World Cup in Russia. Perk, what do you think of this England? Can they win it all? Oh, doubt it. Okay. That was a long pause. Well, yeah, because I like the way they look today, but the difference in the first half was obviously Pickford. Pickford was massive. Uh, Senegal was playing very well. I thought this game would be a lot closer than it was. He had two huge saves in the first half, kept them in it. And then it's Jude Bellingham. Like, this kid, the feeding frenzy for him come summer, that transfer, transfer fee is going to be ginormous. This kid is uh, worth the price of admission. There's like nothing missing from his game, is nothing, there? Nothing, nothing. Like, he even has size and speed. You know, to add to it, and he's so smart. The ball to Henderson, he sees him. He knows exactly where he wants to play it back. Uh, 
he's just so good as an outlet defensively, good work rate. He's a complete player. There really is going to be a feeding frenzy for this kid. I, I'm convinced the transfer fee is going to be uh, out of this world for him. But they were good. They were good going forward. Mm-hmm. They picked their chances. They survived. They weathered an early storm. I really thought Senegal was going to be more of a fight. And look, we, we've said it multiple times. Goal changed change games. Right. Pickford kept them in it. That, that's a reality. They, it, it could have been 2-0 Senegal. And when we talk about can a team win it all, you got to look at their path. We're going right. to get to who they're going to play next, but it's not an easy matchup because uh, France looks like a really good team. 12 goals in four games so far for England. The one clean sheet is against the U.S. And to your point about Jude Bellingham, that was by far his, his worst, worst performance, right? Yeah. He gets subbed off on 70 minutes. I can't remember really a, a big play that he made. Are we crediting, I mean, obviously we're crediting that MMA midfield, but was the U.S. game plan, like, what did they do that limited England and really specifically limited Bellingham in a way that we have not seen throughout this tournament? Because he's looked like the player you're talking about, feeding frenzy, every club in the world should want him. He looked fine against the U.S., but just fine. Just fine. Uh, What Van Gaal said, you know, they adjusted to the opponent. They really wanted to limit Rice, limit uh, Bellingham. Saka wasn't involved at all. Um, They limited the transition space yep. for a team like England, and they had their wingers pressed, worried about Serginho Dest and Anthony Robinson, the way they pressed them. Uh, so, it's a young team, England. Somehow they avoid the uh, naivete of the Americans. Well, yeah, they also, uh, they're major players in, in bigger right. teams and leagues. With bigger roles. With bigger roles, yes. Yeah. yes. All right, so uh, we just mentioned it. England heading through to the quarterfinals where they will meet... France, who just played against Poland earlier tonight in a game that hurt many thought might be France against Mexico. Alas, it was not at Al-Dumama Stadium. Who thought that? You said Mexico wouldn't make it. Yeah, but many thought, many thought, not me, that Mexico could finish second in their group. And, I got to give you credit. You, you called it a while ago. You I said Mexico it. wouldn't make it. I don't know that that was me being right. I think that was just me being classically said pessimist, but we'll get to that later. Well, you were right. Uh, Giroud scoring in the 44th minute off an assist from Mbappe, opened the scoring for France, uh, and then Mbappe taking over in the second half. He scored a golazo in the 74th. Another golazo in the first minute of stoppage time. Robert Lewandowski gets the gol de honor for uh, Poland via penalty, a retaken penalty uh, in the ninth minute of stoppage time. 3-1 the final. France through to the quarterfinals. Or again, they will face England. Herc, this France team looks good. Are you getting 2018 vibes all over again from Le Bleu? Mad vibes. And the reason we say 2018 is because they started off not so great, right? And kept heating up every single round. There you go. Your all-time goal scorer for France overtakes Thierry Henry. That's insane to me because this man didn't score a goal last World Cup. He's also like one of those classic players that I feel like is underappreciated. He is underappreciated, but he's he's a very good knight. And the goal he scores today against Poland, honestly, a much-needed goal because Poland had their chances. Poland had their yep. chances in the first half. Uh, one clear one. One clear one. Yeah. Uh, great save. It was very, very nervy, very testy for the French back line. Mm-hmm. But when that goal goes in, it gives him breathing room. And what you don't want to do against a team that's so lethal in space is chase the game on them. And once they did, it was Mbappe. This man is a cheat code. Wow. Like Kylian Mbappe, I, I, I know I – know, we throw around worth the price of admission and all these things, but he really is. Especially right now in this uh, tournament. He, he, do you think, do you he's think just he's just so ridiculously yeah. fast with the ball, without the ball? He's so direct. He's so impactful. Like, anytime he's close to goal, mm-hmm. you just 
wherever you're sitting down, you perk up a little. Like, uh-oh, I better stand up. This kid's going to do something. Two goals. That's five goals, two assists in this tourney. I said he was my player uh, of the tournament so far. You picked Christian Pulisic. Let's go. I, I think I was right there. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. Oh, I picked Kylian Mbappe. I really went out on a limb. <laughs> Who did you pick? I picked Christian Pulisic. <laughs> Involved in every goal for the U.S., carrying a team single-handedly. He had a goal and two assists. A goal and two assists. Um, so a couple things on this French team. Yeah. Uh, Giroud scores the goal of the tournament in this game. It doesn't count. Did you see the bicycle? Yes. Oh, that would have been nasty if it counted. I mean, it was clear that the play was dead. Okay. Uh, but but I thought it was it was beautiful. If I were to maybe have a worry about this French team, and I know you said it was a great save. The Polish player hits it right at Yoris. Dude, yeah. he's, a, he's a disaster waiting to happen, I feel like. And I feel like if, if he doesn't... He played well. Yeah, but he makes big mistakes. He makes, like, horrible, horrible mistakes. And I just... I'm trying get, to think of the last mistake of this tournament. He made one today. He made one today that, that Poland easily could have scored on. He, he's, to me, he's a wreck, either with the ball I mean, his feet. it's fair criticism because not the first time we've heard it, but... This team is yeah. just so electric going forward. And it's a similar style to 2018, isn't it? It's very yeah, like very direct, very vertical. Yeah. yeah it's three, four touches. And, and Antoine Griezmann, so instrumental back then, instrumental again. They're a very good team. They're a very deep team, too. Yeah. Think about all the dudes they're missing. No Pogba. No Benzema. No Benzema. No Kante. Kante no Kimpembe. I'm probably Kimpembe. missing a few more. But imagine if those guys were here. Absolutely. I mean, class of the tournament by far. I was lucky enough to go to this game live. Uh, as you know, sometimes I struggle to make it to things on time. So I did miss the first half, but I got to see the second half with Mbappe. And boy, dude, watching this guy live, to your point, it's a different experience. It really, truly is because you see, and we were in the lower bowl, you see the different gravy, the different speed at which he's operating compared to even other elite athletes. And I got to watch this game sitting next to Profe, Juan Carlos Osorio. And you know, Profe is one of these guys who will ask you a question that only he knows the answer to. And so he's like, well, what's the thing about Mbappe that makes him different? And he said, I said, well, the speed, right? The obvious answer. He's like, no, los frenos, the brakes. He's like, a lot of guys have speed. Not a lot of guys can decelerate and then reaccelerate in the way that this guy can without the ball. So it's not just straight line speed with Mbappe. And and even when he takes, as in the first goal, and I, maybe you'll disagree with me here, you often do. Like his his first touch on his first goal was not great. It kind of gets jammed up under him and he's got to get it out. He's still so damn good that he still scores the goal. Like even when he makes a mistake, it's still a golazo. And that's what's so impressive well, about him right now. Well, anytime you have the ability to put a defender on his heels, like just a, a split well, on, second. And the, the defenders against him are scared. Right. The two, the two right. Polish defenders are in their own area backing well, off. They're, they're, they're not only terrified, uh, but they know that it's not just the speed. Like, he can literally dribble past you. Yep. And when we the say cuts, speed, it's yeah. not him just running past you. He can dribble past you. You saw the, his second goal, Curler. I mean, it's a good one. It's a good one, too, in the box. He picks his corner. He knows exactly what he wants to do. But you saw the numbers right there. Yep. You're comparing him again with, for what many people is the world's game's best player. Right. Pelé. Yeah. You know, uh, what's, the, what's producer Beto, what is Klose's record at? Is it 16 World Cup goals or 14? Because he's going to smash that. So, uh, yeah, he, he's... I mean, assuming health, right? We always right. have to assume health. But he passes Pelé for most goals in a World Cup under 24. Like, dude, if this this guy's heading towards a Pelé career, he's got... 16 goals. He's got nine right now, right? It, yeah, if you think of Pelé, you think of, okay, 
Why, is, why do we think of him as the greatest of all time? Because he was a central figure on three World Cup champions. And whatever you want to say about Maradona or Messi, that's not their argument, right? right. They have other arguments. Mbappe could have an incredible club career, right? But he might also end up as being a central figure on not just one, clearly now maybe two, and if we look at his age, three, maybe four World he Cup champions. He will be 30 in 2030. Oh, my God, bro. In that World Cup, which would be his fourth. Right? Fourth? 18, Eight. 22, 26, 30. Wow. Híjole. Well... Incredible stuff, man. It was really fun to watch him live. I got to say that. Thank You're you for your, uh, for your efforts in, uh, in securing me the tickets. Let's take a look then at the brackets, the updated brackets. France, big winners over Poland. So they're through to the quarterfinals. England, winners over Senegal. So they'll be through to the quarterfinals again. And then the quarterfinal on that half of the bracket. Ooh, this could be very interesting. Morocco, Spain, which you said is could be a very interesting match. If you pick Morocco, I think I pick Spain. Uh, and then Portugal and Switzerland down there. You pick Spain? At the bottom of the bracket. Yeah, I picked Spain actually through to the semifinals. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So let's talk Mexico now. Tata Martino and the rest of the crew arriving back in Mexico after El Tri's first group stage exit since the 1978 World Cup in, where was it? Ah, oh, Argentina. Not the friendliest reception. We've uh, muted out some of the commentaries you should. there. I'm glad you muted it out. Um, so, okay, let's set the table here because I don't think, I think we have to kind of explain what happened here. So, our colleagues at ESPN Deportes, specifically Mauricio and I, spent some time with the Mexican national team in Spain in the immediate buildup to the World Cup. Yeah, it was like a 30-man camp. Right. You know. And as part of that, he sat down for one-on-one -on -one interviews with a lot of the players. Almost all of them. Yes. And as part of that, they had each player fill out a card to themselves that they would then kind of open and read after the World Cup. Part of this project included a card from Tata Martino. And, of course, they showed this on ESPN Deportes, I guess, what was it, yesterday? A few days ago. Uh, we've got our hands yes. on it now. So, a few Qatari days ago. Uh, yes. You know how we are with these times. Uh, so, Herc, why don't you tell us, A, what it said. Read it for us, if you can, and uh and This then is the translate. actual Yes, this card is his writing. That yes. Tata Martino wrote. And as you can see right here, it says... It's not very long. Podías haber hecho algo más, Tata Martino. 
Mm. You could have done more. Now, the way Tata it's worded, I, what I have to ask here first is podias. Is he saying podias to somebody else or is he saying it to himself, do you think? Well, that's up. That's left up yes. to interpretation yes. because, as we know in Castellano, that's how they re reference themselves as well. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So what do you think it is? I think he's taking a shot. But do you think it's at, at, do you think he's saying the Mexican footballing world or that he specifically could have done more? I read it as I could have done more, which really pisses me off. Yes, I read it as I, um, okay. which really is a slap in the face. Yes, okay. Thank because you. Finally, we around something. <laughs> let's paint the picture of what Tata Martino is. Tata Martino, when he wrote this, okay, mm -hmm. was weeks after he declared himself public enemy number one. Mm -hmm. Public enemy number one. I'm the bad guy for everything. When he started fighting with the press, with reporters, over everything. And this is his way of saying, like, there you go. I'm your bad guy. Mm -hmm. We knew this was going to happen. There it is. This is what you want. I'm the bad guy. Take it. Mm -hmm. He knew this would happen. He knew this was going to happen. That is, this, is right. why, this is why he goes in against Argentina, and he plays not to lose by more than one goal. Mm -hmm. That's the whole setup of the line of five is let's only lose 1-0. He's not even trying to tie the game. And when that second goal goes in, his world is over. He really thought only losing 1-0 versus Argentina was our way out of this. Yeah. This, to anybody who knew Tata Martino, spent time with Tata Martino, the we could have done more, you could have charged less. Yes. $8 million, sixth highest paid coach in the World Cup. And this is what he has to say to the people. It's, it's irony. It's literally him having a laugh. Yeah. I was going to say, taking the Michael, as uh, Stevie and Craig would, uh, would say back at the ESPN FC studios, the most expensive coach in, in Mexican national team history. And this really feels like a letter that was written with the expectation that things would go wrong. Because you don't write, podía haber hecho algo más, we could have done more. If you're, if you're thinking, I'm going to make it to the round of 16, I'm going to make it to the quarterfinals, I'm going to, I'm going to trascender like what I was brought here to do. This is a, I'm done with this, I'm done with you, and thank goodness we're done with Tata Martino. But the man who hired Tata Martino, critically, the president of the Mexican Federation, Yon de Luisa, is still sticking around, okay? And he's also been on the microphone, so let's hear what Yon de Luisa has had to say. No es necesaria una renuncia a René porque las presidencias son por ciclos mundialistas. Entonces, ahora termina este ciclo mundialista y los dueños van a tomar la decisión si continúa o no este proyecto. And uh, apparently los dueños are set to meet uh, and discuss Yon de Luisa's future in the coming hours and days. Herc, are you cool with what he's saying here? Should he have just resigned on the spot, had some dignity and walked out the door? Would have it changed anything? I think there's a time in football, and I don't know if we're past that anymore, where when you failed, you walked into the press conference after and you resigned. And that was kind of a show of respect for whoever you were working for and your failure. He could have done that. He's clearly waiting for somebody else to take him out of his misery. This guy's a puppet. Mm. This guy's a puppet. Of who? Explain of it. FMF, of the Explain owners. It. Explain so, it. So his whole job... His whole job is to be a shield for the owners, mm -hmm. take the heat off the owners, be the face for the owners. 
he leaves, some other puppet, some other schmuck's just going to come right in. Because mm-hmm. the same things are going to keep happening over and over and over again. The same group that has a stranglehold on Mexican football mm-hmm. will keep doing the same things they've done. Now, you think he was an utter failure? They think it was a success. <laughs> Do you know why they think it was a success? Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. We're hearing reports, right? Explain the reports we're hearing. Their most beneficial year, fiscal year. Yes, financially. Update in their history was this year. Mm-hmm. If you don't think them going into bed with Major League Soccer, League's Cup, Campeones Cup, if you don't think them playing these Juego Moleros in the States, if you don't think them doing all these things, getting rid of promotion, relegation, mm-hmm. if you don't think this has enriched those same owners, you're not paying attention. Finances over sport. That's exactly what it is. So I want to make the point here that Juan de Luisa's failures are not limited, or the failures of his tenure are not limited to the men's national team, because you've talked about it before as well. The women's national team, which absolutely collapses. Not one goal. In home qualifying, it doesn't qualify for the World Cup. The U-20 effort, which costs you, again, as you've mentioned, not just a U-20 World Cup, but an Olympics um, Which as you well. love so much. Well, not yet, I mean, it's in you'd rather be in the Olympics than not be in the Olympics, right? Yes, it doesn't equate to world power, but sure. Well, you've been naming it as a failure for the last two shows, so was it important or not? If it's important to you, it's a failure. Of course. Okay, of course. Um, I think I want to point out very something specific here with Leon De Luisa and where he comes from, right? He comes from Televisa. Of course. And I think I'm going to make the parallel here so people in the United States who know a little bit about how soccer's run in the United States can understand. The way that Major League Soccer and Soccer United Marketing for a long time had a stranglehold on the U.S. Soccer Federation and really controlled what the Federation did, Televisa has that on the Mexican Football Federation. I don't think that's healthy. Now, something that's happened in the last couple years with U.S. Soccer is there appears to be the beginnings of a decoupling from U.S. Soccer and Soccer United Marketing slash MLS. Not that they won't work together but that literally Soccer United Marketing will not be paying the Federation's bills, right? Because I think that's when you create a a power imbalance. That needs to happen in Mexican soccer. I know that that's not likely to happen. But when the television companies, to your point, are influencing and in many ways running the Federation, of course the bottom line is going to be the most important. Of course sporting is not going to be the most important. However, something that's important to point out here is that sporting does impact your bottom line. If you make a deep run in the World Cup, you make more money, not just directly from FIFA, but sponsorships become more valuable. Everything becomes more valuable. So to say, well, like, oh, we failed, but we've done well financially. No, no, no. You could have done even better financially. So you expect them to quit. I don't expect them to quit. I don't expect them. Can I draw another parallel here to U.S. soccer? Um, So let's go back to when the U.S. fails to qualify in 2018. Sunil Gulati, who was the then president and been in charge for 12 years up until that point, didn't quit right away, right? There is, however, a group of people that decide, I'm going to run for president. It becomes this hugely contested thing. There seems to be a Gulati out movement, right? And he steps away. Or else his group would lose power. Right. So Sunil Gulati, who, as we know from the Yates report, Found out about Paul Riley in 2014, didn't do anything about it. So this is not somebody that has a track record of doing the right thing. But he did the right thing there. He stepped away. For his group. But he stepped away. Correct. Right? He said, no, I'm, I'm not the guy for this job anymore. It's whatever it is, I'm not the guy for it. 
Yonde Luisa needs to see that. He needs to see that he personally, whether he's whether the next guy is going to be a Televisa guy or not, whatever. Yonde Luisa has failed. I don't know how he can continue Yonde and feel Luisa he has any a, mandate. A puppet. Any if, mandate. If they say you're gone, he will happily say, no problem. Hmm. I do what you tell me to do. I'm at your beck and call. He is a puppet. He will leave. That's not the issue here. It's getting things to change. You talk about that. There's some democracy there, right? Mm -hmm. What you're talking about with U.S. soccer, Sunil Gulati, the people yep. who ran. There's some democracy. There's some transparency sure. there. There's no transparency here. There is no promotion relegation because there's a select group of owners that would like to keep it a select group mm -hmm. of owners. They want that NFL model. They don't want new voices. <laughs> they don't want new money. They don't want any type of wrinkle that could in some way jeopardize what they've got going on. And there are a few owners that would love to change this. But those owners, unfortunately, are also part of the problem. Yeah. Multipropiedad. Would the owners be smart here to get rid of him and install, as you say, the next puppet? Of because, course. Because of if course. they leave him, it's of a target. Course. It's a target, right? Of course. So but you think he'll be gone? You think they'll kind of use him as the sacrificial lamb? Of course they will. And, yeah. and Yondelis is not going to care. He was part of the 2026 bid. Yeah, Just uh, so like Sunil Galati didn't care. He was part of the 2026 bid. They don't care. Yeah. Carlos Cordero was more the 2026 oh, big guy. Oh, yeah. Well, who, was, who was next to Bill Clinton? Let me ask you this, though. <laughs> when they didn't get the World Cup. Okay, but different. Oh, um, no, no, no. He's still there. The he's roles. Still there. Sunil doesn't work. Sunil's not involved in U.S. soccer anymore. Sunil's involvement in U.S. soccer, okay. if you want to speak on it, uh, you can. Uh, the, the exact details of that, I, okay. I don't personally know. I have some ideas, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to speak out of turn. Um, I think Carlos Cordero is definitely the guy who was front and center in 2026. That, that is the truth. I was, we were, I was there in Russia. Fine. I was in the meeting. Go to, yeah. go to Yonder. Um, he is still currently one of the bid directors for 2026. He's also They've on the FIFA. Right, but he's also on the FIFA council. I think those positions could save him or at least help save him because those are whether powerful positions. That, and that's fine, Seb. What I'm trying to tell you is whether he's there or not, it makes zero difference to what they want to achieve, which everybody knows is the bottom dollar. Yep. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so uh, why don't we take a look at a graphics representation of just how bad things have been uh, under Yonda Luisa. Oh, sorry, we already saw I guess we were arguing. I, I missed it. You were arguing. Arguing with myself. Let's check the mentions here on a feisty edition of Football Americas. Andas. All right, Andas. Coming through in the clutch for us. Which young U.S. player should we as fans keep an eye on that wasn't on the current World Cup roster but you think will have an impact 
on the 2026 team. Herc, it's a good one, huh? It is a good one. Man, where do we go with this one? Uh, that kid played at Arsenal. He's at uh, Ligue 1 right now. Balogun. Balogun. Yeah. He, he, he's somebody to keep an eye on. I was actually having a conversation. So he hasn't committed yet no. to the U.S. However, we did see on his Instagram after the U.S. goes out, he posts a picture. It, it makes you think, all right, is he going? I've never seen the kid really play. And I was talking to Jules about him. Jules, Jules is high on Jules Julian Laurent. Yeah. yeah, Julian Laurent is very high yeah. on this kid. Yeah, And, and he, it's the one position you need. You need that nine, right? it's the one position your head coach has called every single player out on. Yeah. So might be yeah. worth a look. What about a Paxton Aronson? What about two Aronsons for this, uh, this U.S. team? Actually, there's going to be some talent out of the U-20 team that we saw. Yeah. They were really, really good. I, I don't good. remember being as impressed by a U.S. youth national team as specifically that I gotta, group. I got to remember the little... Uh, Diego Luna. Diego Luna is good, the yeah. RSL kid, but there's a kid who plays uh, left center back. He plays for Philly. He can strike a ball. He smashes ah, the ball. Este. And he's a very good center back. Good size on him, too. Yeah, so I'm thinking let's, let's put the nine away because players are tough, right? Prospects are tough. What about, like, other positions? Because as we've talked about with this team, there is, like, a core, right? There's, there's, there's some guys that you don't want to take out of the 11 unless somebody amazing comes along. What positions would you upgrade thinking left, in the future? Left back. Really? Yeah. Over Anthony Robinson? Or you just think this is his World Cup and he's not kind of a two-World Cup guy? I think, this is a, I think we've seen he's Anthony Robinson's ceiling. Okay. And I like him. I do. I think he's a good defender. But the way I would play with my team, and I've always said it, and I'm sure you might have heard this, show me who your outside backs are, and I'll show you what kind of team you have. I'll tell you what kind of team you have. Right. Okay? I like outside backs who are very good with the ball. I like Serginio Dest. Yeah. Okay? I, I like players that can handle the ball. A little going more forward. defense? A little Go more defense A little more Dest? defense right. would be great. But going forward, and I think Anthony Robinson, and it's maybe a little harsh on him because it wasn't his fault he's playing on one leg this whole tournament, but heavy foot, very heavy foot at times. Um, the touch let him down. I think at times he got in his own head, especially in that last game. Very frustrated with himself. Uh, but I would, more than anything, forget it, it's Anthony Robinson or somebody else. I mean, if it wasn't Anthony Robinson, you had to go Serginho Dest on the left-hand side or Joe Scally on the left-hand side. You have no depth. Jack McGlynn, is that who you're thinking? Uh, for a left? Uh, yes. I'm looking at the yes. U20s. McGlynn. Yeah. McGlynn. Um, I'm interested you didn't say center backs. Just not, like, he is a center back. No, no, sorry. Like, for the, you said left back is the position you would upgrade. Because right. I'm thinking about this roster those are your old guys, right? Those are the guys you definitely need to, to upgrade, right? Uh, yeah, but you got a Chris Richards that okay, can hopefully be yeah. you know, I mean, healthy. That's a lot of potential. You've got a Miles yeah. Robinson that's going to come back from injury. Like, if those two players are back from injury, and okay, mm -hmm. I feel pretty good about that. Okay. Uh, let's get to our final tweet here on Check Dimensions as we wrap up another fun edition of Football Americas. This question comes from Dan. Sebi Salazar, you... You guys need to hug it out after this episode. All right, somebody's watching live. All right, Dan. Ari Gold? Ari Gold style? Don't touch me. Don't touch me. There, there, little guy. There, there, little guy. It's all right. It's been it's a tough right. day. It's been a tough tournament. What's been Seb? a tough day? You went to go. So, you saw Mbappe live score two goals in a Mbappe World Cup. Live. I also played a soccer game that is giving me cramps 12 while, hours later. While I, while, while I was sleeping... That's right. Oh, you I, want I, me to pull the curtain back? They what? don't let me go to any games. I'm working so hard. And then he gets tickets to the games, and he doesn't go. I can't go. What time well, did you I get You were sleeping. That's what I just said. What time was I off this morning? Or yesterday morning now. They're going to clip that gif of us hugging it out I, uh, every I time got we fight now. 7.30, I'm back home. I start, I, 
I don't, even, I don't even want to tell you what time the producer has right. me start. Is that why you put me on a show at 3 a.m. this morning? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that, brother. I appreciate it. Making your um, debut. All right. Uh, let's get to the parting shot here on Football Americas. This is, this is my level here. NCAA Division Three Soccer. University of Chicago wins the NCAA Division Three tournament. The men's team, coached by Julianne Sitch, she becomes the first woman to lead a men's soccer team to an NCAA title. Bravo. Look at the production. Give it a round of applause. That's pretty cool. Can I? So glass ceiling shattered. Let me, let me really quickly. Um, Carolina Padron, our colleague mm -hmm. uh, on ESPN Latin America and Deportes, um, she's now going to be part of the crew for Football, um, for, uh, football Picante. Right. Okay. The two-hour uh, episodes that we do in this whole World Cup coverage. Mm -hmm. She's only the second woman ever hmm. to be on Football Picante. Think about that. That's an iconic show that's been around it's forever. It's an iconic yeah. show. And it... it, it I, I long for the day that these aren't news-breaking moments. Yeah. Because I see, I see these women as no different than you and me. Like, and I'm saying this honestly. Yeah. Right? So yesterday, and I, think, I, and yeah. I say this with the utmost respect, while we're all making a big deal of it, I'm thinking about how I can best her because she's really good at her job. Right, right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not looking at her as a woman. You're looking at her as I, a I'm colleague. I'm not looking at her as anybody besides as a, somebody who like, I'm going to debate because she's yes. really good at her job. Yeah. So congratulations to Julie, and I hope one day <laughs> that's no longer an issue for you, whether it's just seeing you as, as a woman. I'm trying to think like, of other women that have managed in the men's game. Corinne Diacre, who's now the manager uh -huh. of the France women's national team, I think had a second division job in France. Uh, a name that comes up a lot in England is Emma Hayes. Oh, who yeah. I got to work Chelsea. with uh, at ESPN during our European Championships coverage. She would run any team extremely well, like, just being in her presence, the way she communicates, like she could, she could manage, I think, championship, premier league, like she could do it in a you heartbeat. You, you gave me an me idea. Producer Beto, eh, Morena from Argentina, what is her last name? Morena Beltran. Yes. Is actually a very good analyst to break down and the like game. tactics, yeah. Tactics for ESPN Argentina. We're going to get her out here to uh, break down Argentina, who I've been uh, underwhelmed with, but because I think Profe Osorio has uh, somebody's going to make. He's got somebody nipping at his heels here. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to bring out the tactics board again. I love it. So one of the many things that we have here on Football Americas for you. That'll do it for this edition of the show. For Hercules Gomez, producer Betao, our awesome production team here in Doha, and the great crew that works very, very hard back in Los Angeles and Bristol as well. I'm Sebi. Thanks for watching. And we will see you tomorrow right here on ESPN+. Plus.